Chapter 13, Part 1. The Route to Higher Addiction Rehabilitation Success in America. So I'm going to go over the first three things that I mentioned in this chapter about what I believe it would take for America as a whole to come together and have higher success with actual rehabilitation for those people in the community who are struggling and suffering to get better as a whole. I've already talked about community and the importance of building community and self-reliance and those kinds of things previously. But here's what I think needs to happen. So number one, the treatment industry needs to unite more. This is my own personal belief. I, I don't like going to addiction treatment conferences. I don't like networking with other people that own rehab programs typically. It's maybe it's me. It could be me. But my experience has been that it's a very superficial situation where these people that are running rehabs are your competitors and they see each other as competitors, not as people who are all in the fight. They talk a big game like, oh, we're all in the fight against addiction and we're in this together and let's work together. And there, and there are programs that do work together with referrals, reciprocal referrals. Hey, I got this person. He's not really a fit for our program. I think he'd be a fit for your program. Uh, th there's programs that trust each other and work together like that, but it's more out of necessity than out of true, truly desiring to come together. Uh, it's a lot of talk and, and I've been sort of turned off by that whole attitude. Uh, specifically, I, I've seen people who are very immersed in the, in the 12 step community who are very opposed to anything that's not 12 step related. Uh, which is confusing to me because I've been listening to people who are uh, have been successful in 12 steps for many, many years, and I'm always inspired by their stories. In fact, one uh, who I believe is one of the best speakers in the world today, Ed Milet, speaks about his father who was an alcoholic and a drug addict and that he uh, was uh, an alcoholic throughout Ed's youth. And then he ended up getting sober with the 12 steps and he had a sponsor and he would tell his son, you know, Ed, I, I don't know if I'm going to be sober forever, but I can tell you, I'm going to be sober one more day. And it was that one day at a time attitude that is prevalent in the 12 step community. And, and I, I think the story is amazing and inspiring. It's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, what an amazing story. So but I will may say something like, oh, we don't use the 12-step method at Elevate. We use something different. We use something called the Elevate method. It's based on cognitive behavioral therapy and it's and nutrition and exercise and, and self-discovery and, and all these different things. And they say, many times they'll say, well, I hate that. That's, that doesn't, I don't like that at all. It's 12-step or nothing. It's like, wow, really? 12-step or nothing? How much sense does that make? Like, how many people do you bring over to your side when you say my way is the only way, right? How, how does that work out for religion when you say, oh no, it's this way or nothing. It's my way or the highway. You're going to hell or whatever it is. Like, you know, you're a sinner or you're an infidel or whatever it is. If you don't believe what I believe, how many hearts and minds does that win over? So it's a shame when we're all in this supposedly trying to help people in, in the recovery community and, and people don't like other programs because of their methods. 
uh, that that's always turned me off and, and see each other as competitors and things like that. So I would ask anybody else in the treatment community, and there's a lot of good people in the treatment community, please don't get me wrong. Uh, there's a lot of good people. And I just think that the good people need to rise to the top and take more of a leadership role and be more of a voice and be willing to come together with other types of programs or other types of methods. And hey, we're all in this together and have a, a voice together. Even even the advocacy groups and things like that that are in the in the treatment community really aren't very strong because the community isn't very strong as a whole. So I believe the treatment industry needs to unite more uh, as, a, as a whole, and then we can be a more powerful voice and, and stronger, uh, have stronger power and ability to negotiate things with laws, with the government, things like that. Try to, try to do the right thing because we're the ones in there doing the work. We're the ones that know how things happen. It's not some government official that, that knows how people get better, how to treat people. We're the ones doing the work. So I would hope that we can get together with that. And I will be the first to admit that I have myself withdrawn from the treatment community and I would be willing to step forward if I see more of these things happen and more people take leadership roles and, and embrace other people. And I will also uh, do the same myself. The second thing I mentioned in the chapter is to believe that addiction can definitely be overcome. Now, this is not just people that work in the treatment community. I mean, everybody. I mean, everybody in America, if we were all to believe, really believe that addiction can definitely be overcome, I think it would change things a lot because a lot of people right now see addicts and alcoholics as victims, victims with a disease, a lifelong disease that there's nothing Mary can do about it. She's an alcoholic. She's been cursed with this disease. And, you know, there's just, you know, some people just get a bad roll of the dice. You just, there's nothing she can do. No, that's not true. I don't believe that. Absolutely not. You are living the life that you were living because of your choices, your decisions. Sure, you could have been given a bad hand. You could have been dealt a bad hand. You could have grown up poor, or you could have been the, the son or daughter of, of addicted parents. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can be stacked against you. And this does not just mean addict, uh, addiction either. This is also any, any decisions that people have. Your bank account is the result of your choices. Your weight when you step on the scale is the result of your choices. Sure, okay, maybe you have a genetic issue. Maybe your parents were heavy and you know genetically you may be heavy. Okay, well, that doesn't stop you from doing what it may take to overcome that if you really want to do that. You know, I understand that my weight when I step on the scale is the result of my choices. It really is. I mean, okay, maybe my body mass weighs a certain amount, my bones and my muscle and things like that. I, I you know what I'm saying though. I mean a healthy weight. And 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 I know that if I make different decisions that I can change that. It's just how committed are you to doing that? And if you don't know how to do it, you can watch YouTube videos, you can read books, you can get mentors or trainers or different people like that. If you really want to change something, you can change it. There are people out there who will help you, usually for free, if you can just, if you're really dedicated. Because when someone's really dedicated to changing something about themselves and their life, there's people that rally around them because they want them to win. So I don't like the idea that so many people think that people are victims and that they have, they have this disease and there's nothing they can do about it. So I think the mindset of America needs to change and realize that when you see that person, that homeless person or something like that, 
he is living or she is living that life because of their choices. Now, they may be in despair and they may not be able to see that and they may have forgotten that they are in charge of their destiny. All those things can absolutely be true. But if we know deep down they could change their life with a decision, then, and we believe that ourselves, then I think we will help those people more than coddling them as victims. Because I'll tell you what, every drug addict and alcoholic who got sober, got sober because they made a decision to get sober. It was not that they took some magic pill or something, you know, some magic words were spoken to them and everything changed. They had to make that decision and they were probably terrified, but they did it and they did the work that had to be done to get there. I think we're too used to coddling people. We're too used to growing up, you know, kids growing up, getting coddled and things like that. We want to love them, sure, but we, we, can't, we can't tell them that they're a victim. We, we, we have to stop that mindset. Anybody can do anything if they set their mind to it, and we need to remember that. The last thing I'll go over, number three in this, in this podcast, is show compassion without enabling. And that goes into a little bit what, what I was just saying. You want to be compassionate with people. You don't know what people are going through, right? You don't know their history. So when I say things like people aren't victims, they're the result of their choices, realize that I am not being someone who is not compassionate. In fact, I believe that I'm being more compassionate because I'm actually giving them the power to say, you can change your life if you make different choices. And so, because if I don't do that, then they don't have any power. They're just, they're just someone who's a slave to something. And so when you don't enable people and what is enabling, right? Enabling is giving someone money when you think, when you know they're going to use it for drugs or alcohol, it's allowing someone to walk all over you or bully you because they are, you know, throwing a fit if they don't, you know, it's, it tears me up when I see parents who've been working hard their whole life to trying to provide, uh, you know, a nice livelihood for their children and their children are ungrateful, spoiled brats who are you who yell at their parents and talk to them like they, you know, like just talk, don't with no respect, you know, talk to them like they talk to a, a you know, a, an animal and get away with it. And the parents just take it and take it. You know, I'll tell you what, my dad would not have taken it if I would, if I would have spoken to him that way. And I believe that there needs to be more respect shown to parents and caregivers. And these kids need to be put in their place a little bit. Uh, however, that However, that needs to happen. I don't, I don't tell people how to parent, but I do tell people that you have to parent. You cannot let your children walk on you. You have to, you have to set boundaries. If your kid is addicted to drugs and they've been, they've stolen from you and, and have broken that trust, you know, you have every right to kick them out of the house and change your locks on your doors and lock your windows and, you know, do not let them manipulate you. Now there are laws. So if they're a minor, it's maybe a little bit different. Uh, than if they're an adult, I'm speaking about adults, but, uh, you know, I do not want to see people continually, uh, thinking that the kids have the power, uh, you know, or someone who's addicted, maybe it's a sister, maybe it's a brother and they have the power because they yell louder and you don't want to cause a scene. You don't want to cause a problem. So you're going to give in to that. No, you are giving in to their addicted brain screaming. I want drugs. And you are letting them, you're letting them have that. Now you can you can have compassion. You can, you can understand that they are going through something. They don't really, they don't really know what they're doing. 
they their their chemicals the chemicals in their body have influenced their mind they're not being themselves you can have compassion for that doesn't mean you have to you know break their nose if they if they yell at you or something like that but you can have compassion but do not enable them because the enabling not because the enabling not because you don't love them but enabling doesn't help them right if this if they are like homeless and you tell them okay i will give you i will let you spend the night here but you're going to rehab tomorrow and that's the way that it is i'm helping you out i'm doing this for you okay that's fine you can make that choice now if they burn you and they sneak out at 6 in the morning and they don't go to rehab and they 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 kept that they 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 accepted that bed for the night but then they didn't go they didn't follow through with their obligation you are not obligated to continue to help them that is not being compassionate that's being a pushover and people need to stop being pushovers to people who are addicted because that's the way that they get what they want and that doesn't work for me